Welcome back to Do Less. Uh, John and I have really been doing a lot less lately, and I'm sure you'd be very proud of us. Uh, we haven't released an episode in quite some time, um, but I'm ashamed to yeah, say we've been pretty busy and haven't... We're going to have to do this. Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so forgive us... Uh, for not not doing this in a while um but uh we thought it was important to come back um there's definitely been a lot going on and there's been plenty to talk about um but i think for this episode here i'll fill the listen uh, i'll fill the listeners in for all the episodes we didn't record in the past couple months um here's our commentary uh God, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> that sucks so bad. Jeez. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. That, uh, that's what a, that's what we would have been saying had we recorded. So that was the summary. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, so a, a lot's been going on, um, and we I think we didn't feel like. It was necessarily super important for us to chime in at the time um, because plenty of people were doing that. Um, And part of, I think, John and I's philosophy is uh, is not to be emotional about things as much as they may tug at our heartstrings. Uh, We think it's important to uh, address things when we can do it from a calm, uh, rational perspective. Um, and so it's not necessarily important to chime in right away. Um, but when you sort of have made up your mind on things, uh, I think it's, it's more appropriate to do so. So I think what we're going to do with this episode is, uh, since we haven't done one in a while is we're, we're going to hit it big. Um, (laughs) and with so much going on, um, what John and I discussed is we think it's important something that's really important that's not talked about a lot is scope um and what we mean by that is what is really the priority of the various issues uh that we face um and one might argue that this is entirely subjective and it just depends from individual to individual but i think that's kind of a a useless perspective, honestly, because if it is entirely subjective and there is no absolute pecking order of things that are important, then how can we really form a society if it's just, there is no real sense of importance and we all just kind of are attacking each other over what we think is the most important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's a good intro. I agree. I think that, uh, that scope, and uh agency are the are the two factors that should be discussed the most that's the way to become the most objective to an issue um and it's funny i think what i think these last couple months are an example of how uh how the opposite has promulgated through what you see in the what you consume in the media um Mm -hmm. what i mean by that is you know as jeff said scope it's you know how far-reaching be it a dollar amount, be it lives affected, lives lost even, 
in, in some of these issues. Um, you know, scope is, is so important. You can't say anything in a political nature. You can't say anything. Well, let me say, you shouldn't say anything in a political nature. You shouldn't say anything in a policy making capacity without also addressing scope An agency. Um, meaning what, what can you feasibly do about it? Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, it's, you're not saying anything. If you, you want to solve the world, you want to solve every problem. Um, (laughs) you say that, Oh, are you automatically a good person? No. How do you, how are you going to do that? And that's the key. Like, do you have the agency, the ability to enact a change that's going to be far reaching and substantial? Um, so that's the way to become objective, to look at it in those two kind of uh, parameters. And as I said, I think what we've witnessed is the opposite of that. It's the emotional appeal is what people play on. If you can mm-hmm. just make someone upset enough or feel a strong enough an emotion about an issue, you can get their vote. Or you can get their signature on a GoFundMe, or you can get their, uh, you know, or I guess signature on a uh, change.org or a, a, their dollar on a GoFundMe. If you can do those things and you're like, you know, that's how that's how the stir is. That's how you go viral. That's how you get like a stir in people's ear. But, uh, you know, you rarely hear the people, it's not that you don't hear it, but I think that the most important thing to be is objective focus on those two parameters and then start from there. And then like, you know, the rest kind of fills itself in. So I think with this episode, Jeff and I, before the, before recording, we went through and we just jotted down some of the biggest issues that we've seen over the last, you know, a couple of years of just, uh, of just issues that people have either said, this is the most important issue whether we, I mean, sometimes it's us saying something's the most important <laughs> issue, um, or this needs to be changed right now. Nothing, you know, this can't wait. Stuff like that, like, but, you know, the emotional appeal is definitely real with a lot of these. But uh, we're gonna go just go through the list and um, comment on what a government, what our government actually would be doing by addressing them uh, in their in their scope. And in there, and what can we do about it? What you know? How much agency do we have? Right. I, I would like to talk, touch on that idea of agency um, because you know you, uh, this list is basically only problems related to America, uh, and the reason for that is um, we. I don't feel as though we as Americans really have the agency to address all the world's problems. Um, And so while I do think there are some really very serious things happening throughout the rest of the world, very terrible, awful things that actually are much probably worse than a lot of things that are even happening in America. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, the only solution is kind of like we go there and do something about it, but I don't, I personally don't think that's our place. And that doesn't seem like a, realistic solution right and so i think we we leave those off the list because we you know we don't really think there is anything to be done about them i think that's outside of scope even though Mm -hmm. they are important right they're just may not be solvable for us Mm -hmm. as americans 
Yeah, hopefully a theme on this list as we go through it will be, you know, I plan to make this a theme in my commentary is like, you know, this is terrible. You know, I wish this mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. I wish we could address this. I wish we could change it. I wish we could stop it. Uh, but we can't do that as a government. Like a government, you know, we've said this before in the podcast. The government is the entity that will show up to your door with a gun and put mm-hmm. you in a cage if you don't comply. So you have to keep that perspective as we go through this list of how are we going to address this? We're going to go to people's houses and pull a gun to their, you know, to their head or t- put them in a cage and say, we're going to stop doing it. It's like, well, that's not appropriate for this. Issue. So we'll, so, right. all right, let's go through and, uh, you know, start the commentary and, and let's see what, what we can, what arises. So the first one is uh, the coronavirus and global pandemics is the hot one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, as far as <laughs> as far as impact, that one is very you know near and dear to all of us. <laughs> We're all feeling <laughs> right. that one. Um, you know, the scope. I mean, it could potentially end the world. A bad enough pandemic, you know, everyone mm-hmm. could die. Um, you know, solving that could potentially solve humanity at some point, <laughs> you know, or like you know, maintain humanity at some point in in the future. Uh, in order to do that, uh, it's very large. <laughs> it's a very large scope. Like you, it's a you know, probably billions of dollars per year of research and development and uh, preparation. Um, do we really have the agency for that? I don't know. It, what, what else? What do you, what else for? pandemics do you think um yeah like it definitely pandemics are have very far-reaching implications um and i think well it is a very important issue i don't know how much our agency really is on this because the question is yeah we could set up a much larger uh, government agency that's dedicated to basically just researching pandemics and trying to like create, you know, uh, like a priori stuff to fight them before they wipe us out or other policies such as that uh, to defend, to, to protect us from them. Um, but I would question I would question that agency's ability to actually protect us from mm. from these viruses. And, you know, it's funny, like, if you go back on this podcast uh, a few episodes ago, yeah. I don't know how many it is. You know, we, we were we were pretty early in terms of concern about mm-hmm. uh, the coronavirus. Um, so I don't think it would be fair to say that we don't take it seriously because we took it seriously before many people did. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I actually don't, I wouldn't put pandemic in the top of my list. Um, mm-hmm. because yeah, it sounds I think like the agency. Saying, yeah, exactly. It sounds like what you're saying is like per dollar usefulness of focusing on that from now, from going mm-hmm. forward. I think that if we do see that, it's you'll be able to clearly point to that and say that's an example of recency bias. Like, yeah, we're going to start right. pouring billions of dollars into pandemic response. Well, what if we don't see another pandemic for 40 years? Not, I mean, 
mm-hmm. you know, that would be a great thing. But if we just start <laughs> to overload our response, that's just our recency bias. And, uh, it wouldn't be, you know, potentially, uh, it wouldn't be potentially appropriate to the future, um, threat that it poses just because this, this current threat was so dire. Right. Um, and, and I also think that like, you know, this can be salt, this, this can be addressed a lot through personal, like individual action, right? Like mm-hmm. if you social distance and wear a mask and do things like that, you can prevent like the spread of this thing and keep, you know, vulnerable people protected, but that's all, that's all individual responsibility. And so like, I don't like, yeah, you can make laws that force people to do this. Uh, but I think in doing that, you're kind of expanding the scope of government and what you might introduce some negative side effects in doing that. Um, like, you know, another thing that's on this list that is police brutality, right? That's, that's another issue that's very hot. And if you're basically policing every single person's face coverings and distance between each other, that requires a lot of policing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are very concerned about police brutality. So, you know, what, what's, we might see more of police brutality if we're really, really policing everyone's individual choices to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, a lot of these issues do actually have to do with each other. Yeah, they do. Um, and so I'd I change my mind. I don't think we should go three. I mean, we've spent five minutes on this first one and we have mm-hmm. like 30. <laughs> right. So it's going to take a while to get through each one. And I don't want to rush through it, but here's what I think we would be might be a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just read through them so the listener mm-hmm. gets just gets where our head heads are at making right. this list, and then we'll go through and comment on anything we feel strongly about and like have strong comments about. I I say we go through the list, just just go through all of them, and then we'll like comment pick, on each. And no, then you and I will both pick our like top three. Okay. And then we'll say why those made the list and maybe why some others that people might have thought would make the list did not make the list. Yeah, that's fair. Does that seem good? Yeah. All right, so, so I'll, I'll just go through them go through real them. quick. Okay. Um, so like we said, the coronavirus or slash pandemics in general, um, education disparity or public schools or school choice um, would be another one. Uh, the Federal Reserve or central banking in general, uh, the war on drugs, uh, racism, uh, the welfare state, foreign policy or uh, wars abroad, um, increased partisanship of our uh, citizens, uh, regu- regulatory capture, um, the environment like global warming, occupational licensing, um, university corruption or monolithicness, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, wealth inequality, abortion, uh, terrorism slash mass shootings, um, gun control or, or gun violence or gun rights, um, obesity, nutrition, immigration, uh, organized crime, sex trafficking, Sex, sexual assault, sex crimes, um, gender equality, LGBTQ rights, uh, the scope uh, and the scope of government in general. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there's so the yeah, list. there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we solve all those on this podcast, and then <laughs> we're good to go. <laughs> um, yeah, if I can make another note, um, the name of the the name of the party is lost on me right now. But I I was recently approached by someone about a political party that they were interested in. It's like a it's like a minor party. Um, yeah, I forget the name, but it's kind of like a it was like a centrist kind of party. That's not libertarian. Um, and they, they said to me, it's like, what do you think about this? And I looked through their their, their list because th- what we kind of just made is like maybe you would define it as like a political candidate, you know, agenda mm-hmm. list. You know, this is right. my, this is my stance on all the following. Uh, that's what a political candidate would do. So I looked at the political, you know, rap sheet of all these these uh issues and they they go through and they make a very strong moral point for every single one of them mm-hmm. you know and a lot of them i even agreed with uh you know s- stuff like for them like one of a, a big one was like religious religious expression should be mm-hmm. encouraged and i was like yeah i mean that sounds good <laughs> but then mm-hmm. like then you take that in the scope of like what that's what's trying to be done by creating a political sheet with all these, with their agenda, um, it's like I want to become the president. I want to control the country, and I want these moral stances I have to become political stances. Like I want to enact policy, and that mm-hmm. to me is like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Yeah, I, I'm on board. All, all this moral stuff is good. You know, this is really good conversational, philosophical stuff. Mm-hmm. But what do you want to become president for? And you know, mandate religious experience. Like they were talking about like crosses should be made available at sports game, sports events or whatever, or like in schools. It's just like, okay, what is the political actionable item <laughs> from that? Like are police, are police going to go around and like <laughs> mandate that this is being handed out or like <laughs> mandate, right. like how is that enforced? So, so just again, in this conversation, I think that that is uh you what you not only you know hopefully what we'll do is not only will we tell you what we think about what the what should happen what's the moral stance we have but mm-hmm. like a lot of these things will be left out of our top three because there's no political action right, right. It, through either increased education or th- increased national conversation or increased uh citizen uh accountability like some of mm-hmm. these just completely go away you know, without right. the government intervening. So I think that that's if so before before we we start our list. And if you hear something that's on there, and it's like, oh my gosh, these bastards aren't putting that in their top three. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> it's probably because we don't feel we have the 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 scope required, or the we don't have the agency to to meet the scope required to truly change it, or it right. could be changed throughout through a different avenue of government. Okay, so uh, yeah, and. If I can just say one more thing is like, you know, we're not only going to what's what's actually less important is what we think we should should be done. But like the reason what's going to be more important is we're going to tell you why this is important, like why this is a big scope and then why there is a lot of room for uh, like action or agency on it. And that to us is really important because that takes it away from our personal bias as much as possible, right? Because while our lists are going to be, of course, influenced by our own biases, what we're trying to get at is 
sort of an objective priority set. Because I, I do think there is an objective set of priorities to address mm -hmm. that will achieve the most good. I don't think we're going to discover it here today for you. But um, we'll try to. <laughs> but we're going to try to, and we're going to try to be objective about it yeah. uh, in doing so. Awesome. Yes, that's fair. Um, so I'm going to start with the Fed. <laughs> uh, I could speak at length about <laughs> the Fed, and Jeff can too. In fact, we've recorded 20 episodes <laughs> so far about it. Uh, just about, you know. So listen to those episodes if you want the full scoop. In short, the, the reason the Fed is, to me, the number one on this list is because when there is a central bank that's suppressing price discovery in an economy. Um, what that means is that the resource allocation within the economy is inefficiently allocated. And the reason that happens is because price discovery is the information transfer between agents within the economy. And if they're not able to transfer information as efficiently, then resources don't get used as uh, they're not allocated as efficiently, right? So if there's an in, like when you hear in uh, inefficient allocation of resources, um, you know the big thing that comes into my mind is like people don't get their fair share. Like you, like people feel mm -hmm. ostracized or left out of a system if you don't get your fair share. So like something like inequality might seem like a huge issue. You know that's on our list, like wealth inequality. Mm -hmm. You know, it might seem like a huge issue because they have enough and I don't, or like they have more than me. It might mm -hmm. seem like this is holding me back. This is holding us as a country back. Mm -hmm. um, but if the resources were able to be allocated efficiently in the whole economy, there's a good chance that, uh, you know, we don't know, but there's a good chance that the rich, the rich people of today would actually have less, you know, capital allocation in terms of like the inequality the way mm -hmm. the way it, it it shakes up and the let in the, the 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 poor would have would have more that could be one thing the rich could actually have more and the poor mm -hmm. could have more there's a whole there's a whole bunch of scenarios that could play out uh with efficient allocation of resources um that are all better off than you know say our current system yeah i mean that to, to no one's surprise i would say the Fed makes my top three as well. Uh, but to maybe some of your surprise, I, I, I might put it at number two. Um, and I'll get to my number one in a second, but I'd like to add on to what you said about the Fed. Uh, the reason I think the Fed deserves such a high spot on the list is because they're planning one of the most important prices in our system, right? If the Fed's only job was planning the price of bread, I might be able to ignore them. <laughs> but they're planning the most important price in our entire entire system. And pr like John said, prices are how we accurately display the importance of things or, or information, like the value of things. Um, and if you distort prices, you distort people's perceptions of how important or scarce something is. Um, and that leads to all sorts of, you know, distortions. For example, in a simple case, if you lower, if you make the price of bread, if you 
artificially set it to be too low. Not enough people are going to be producing bread because their perception is that it's a, it is abundant because the price indicates scarcity. And so if the, if the price is artificially low, that tells people, oh, there's a lot, there's plenty of bread. I don't need to make bread. You know, like I'm not going to, you know, make a profit off this. It's, it's, there's not enough need for it or demand for it when that's not really true. And so what ends up happening is fewer people make bread and then there's, then want bread at that price and there's a shortage. Um, and if you made the price too high, then people would say, oh, wow, this is really scarce. And they make a lot of bread and you make more bread than people even want. And so you have all this extra bread that's essentially a waste. It's not getting consumed. It's literally garbage. And uh, what could have you done with those productive resources, right? Like if you maybe people really wanted, um, I don't know, alcohol. <laughs> it's not a good example, but... It, you know, if, if that's what they wanted instead, and instead you made more bread than they wanted, and it just literally turned to garbage, and you could have just, you know, dropped the price of something else, then you're not officially doing something. And that's just something small, like bread. Now we're talking about interest rates. Interest rates are the core of all planning. Everything that, every productive thing you're going to plan to do, all revolves around the interest rate of every single business. So, this is affecting every business in our country um, mm -hmm. and potentially distorting our entire economic system because the price of interest is controlled by this one central planner. And that isn't even mentioning all the money printing they're doing, which can create inflation, which is another essentially attacks on people who are uh, hold more dollars than their short dollars, which is more often than not average people. Um, so average people are basically taxed more than uh, wealthier people to pay for this money printing. Um, and then in the same merit, like the interest rate basically discourages saving, which is how you accumulate wealth, right? Like the reason it was so much easier to get into the middle class like 50 years ago was because we actually had a hard money and interest rates that reflect the actual scarcity of savings. Like if someone on Wall Street wanted to borrow money to speculate on stocks, they would have to borrow from the pool of savers of average people who get up and go to work in every day that basically establishes the standard of living in this country. And they have to say, please let me borrow your hard earned money at this re like this price that reflects the amount of savings out there. But now if you have the Fed just setting that price, then they can just go out and speculate or do whatever it is that they want to do. And the people who actually saved for them to do that get cut out. They get cut out of the growth. They get cut out of the, the um, improvement. And so I think that's definitely fostering a lot of resentment in people. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are not recognizing the Fed as uh, the source of a lot of our problems, like you said, they are actually all go back to um, the Fed. So yeah, I think it definitely is right. And like you have many companies, right, that basically probably shouldn't even exist, um, but can continue to do so. And essentially, all they're doing is like if if a company is basically a bad idea, right? If I have like Jeff's ditch digging. Uh, business 
it's not a good business. It shouldn't exist. And yes, I may be able to get debt and like pay people to like dig holes and like keep it going because the interest rate's super low and they just keep dropping. But the longer I waste all your time digging ditches, yeah, you might be getting paid and you might like that and you might be being employed for just digging ditches. But at the end, of, when we're all done and when this company finally goes under, we may have spent five years digging ditches. That's all we have. Like we just have a bunch of ditches to show for all that time spent that doesn't raise our standard of living as a as a nation because all we did was produce holes in the ground that's not good Mm -hmm. Um, and that's an extreme example obviously but there are like companies that are almost that bad out there i would say (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that can exist for even longer um so yeah you know it's definitely definitely really important issue i think Leave it to do less podcast to talk about the Fed for like always, 20 minutes. It's, it's always we about talk, the Fed. We promise to talk about other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. so true, dude. As you're talking, I'm like, shit, I have more things to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what you're talking about, malinvestment. Malinvestment's worse than, like unemployment's bad today. Malinvestment's mm-hmm. bad for like the future generation. Right. <laughs> like, it's yeah, just like, like our future wealth. It'll haunt you. Sure. It'll stay with you and it'll haunt you. Because you can't just... I mean, you can get a job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can't right. reallocate re- like millions and billions of dollars of resources of like capital. Right. Like that's just all right. And what we should say because we promised to do this. So I think we talked about why the scope is legitimately mm-hmm. large and important. Uh, but another reason this is so important is because there's so much agency here. It's, it's very easy to address this problem. Yeah, you literally, you just get rid of just, the Federal Reserve. It's very simple. You don't have a centrally planned, it's, 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 it's the easiest problem to solve, actually. It's like you just stop. Yeah. And right. while that will create a lot of pain in the short term, like, it, it's, it's, the like it's necessary. Way. It's kind of yeah. like how quitting cigarettes is going to cause you a lot of pain. Yeah. It's like that doesn't mean it's not the bad, the right thing to do, just because it's gonna be painful. And I, and now I'm thinking people might listen to this and say, "Oh, you're just actually upset that the Federal Reserve isn't doing the right thing." Like if, oh, I agree with you, the Federal Reserve <laughs> can be this negative to an economy, but mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve just needs to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, to that, to which that I would say I disagree. But even mm-hmm. if I did agree, I feel like that task of like placing that placing mm-hmm. your trust in that is like placing your trust into a person to flip a coin onto heads six times in a row. It's just like, can right. they do it? Can <laughs> they do it? Uh, yeah, it's possible. Okay. <laughs> Should we put our eggs in that basket? No. Right. Like that's so ill-advised. Like, right. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jeff, you say the, you say the next one. Cause. Okay. Yeah. So I would actually, you're, you're number one. Yeah, you know, just talking about the Fed almost makes me want to put it back at number one. <laughs> I knew it would. I, knew I, it would. <laughs> I, I, said, I said it wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> and so I'll just go, I'll put my number one actually at uh, school choice. Um, and I'll, so I'll first address like why I think this is so important. Um, because just about everyone in this country goes to public school like most of us do um and so it's it's the place in which all of us develop as citizens so it's kind of like 
uh, at the core, education at the core is, is where our, all of us get our, our, our start, you know, as, as citizens of the country. And you can imagine in a, in a country where if your schools were just terrible, like completely horrible and taught you all sorts of terrible, very bad things like killing is good and all sorts of nonsense, like that country would be very, very dysfunctional, right? So I think it's very important that people educate themselves because I think being educated um, sets a foundation for life, for being a good moral person and having agency to solve not only your problems, but like problems in the world and, and being successful. I think a lot of that comes down to education. Um, and so uh, it's, it's no uh, secret that America has fallen far behind in education in the world. Um, and lots of people will give you different reasons why. Um, and I'm here to firmly state that I believe uh, the reason is, is public schools. Um, and I actually taught at a public school for a brief amount of time. And the conclusion I came to was that I lacked the agency as a teacher to make measurable improvements to uh, what I view as my own personal like uh, vision of what a good education would look like. Um, and I just, I think as a teacher, I was never going to be able to achieve that. Um, and the reason for that is essentially the public school system, the way it works is, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar, is there are districts um, and each district has its set of public schools. And if you live in that district, yeah, you likely pay taxes that fund that school um, in, you know, and then those taxes fund the school and then you get to go to school for free. But that's the only school you can go to with that tax money. You have no say in the matter. You only can go to the set of schools in that district. They're assigned to you. Um, so you have no choice. And so there is this idea of giving people a choice, right? If they're paying for it with their tax money, let them, let them decide what kind of, what they want their school to look like, where they want their kids to go to school. And this is a very controversial point, especially among teachers. Teachers are in generally very against this idea. Um, and in fact, you'd probably be shunned, uh, or, you know, if you were pro school choice as a teacher, it's pretty likely you would be completely ostracized from your peers. Um, and the reason I think that is, is because uh, teachers are protected by the their teachers unions. Um, so they feel like their unions kind of have their back uh, because, you know, there's all sorts of parent complaints and this, that, and the other. And the, and the teachers union will like be like, nah, this is not legitimate, you know, yada, yada. So they have your back. And so they feel like your friend. Um, but I actually think teachers unions are not the teacher's friends, not, not the competent teacher's friend anyway. I think competent teachers would be getting paid a lot more if school in general was privatized. Um, and so uh, I've been kind of getting away from the scope, but I, I, I think we can realize that 
the educational foundation of all of our citizens is, is definitely very important and deserves a slot, I think, in the top three. Um, but then agency. So I think this is actually really easy to address, too. So currently it's a, it's a top-down system generally decided by each state individually. Each state has its own what they do. So the way to hold public schools accountable right now, since compl- like you have to go there, you're mandated to go to public school. You have no choice. So your money goes there n- no matter what, and uh, your attendance there is mandatory. So the only recourse you have is to essentially get together and vote in school boards or in the state and decide on what should be taught or how, what are the rules. And so there's all sorts of rules that are handed down from the top down, from the state and the board of education to schools on how they should run their schools and, and you know, whatever it is they should do. Um, and to me, that is, it makes them compliant to rules, but not results. So a school can be perfectly compliant in all the various rules that the state assigns them and uh, still have terrible results. And they'll still get all the money and they'll never, there's no repercussions for them doing a bad job. Now, charter schools, if you're not familiar with them, the way they work is some states allow some amount of charter schools to get a charter to start their school. That's why they're called charter schools. And basically they get a piece of the funding that would have gone to the public school, but now goes to the charter school. Um, And then parents can apply to send their kid to that charter school. And the charter school will pick via lottery, just who gets to go in. Um, And so if a charter school is terrible, nobody's going to apply. No one's going to send their kid to a terrible charter school. So the fact that charter schools exist by definition means they're better than their public school counterparts because the parents would just send their kid to the public school. They wouldn't send their kid to the the charter school. So just the mere simple fact that if they're not doing a good job, they will lose their applicants and their funding incentivizes them to do a good job. And the results speak for themselves. Tom Sowell is a guy who recently wrote a book about charter school. It's called Charter Schools and Their Enemies. And I think one of the most important examples he has from this book is he looked at a charter school that literally occupied the same building as a public school in its district, the same exact building. So it's the same kids, you know, it, it's a lottery. So you're looking at the same pool of app, like you can track the applicants that didn't get in versus the applicants that did get in in the same building. And you'll see results like kids score proficient on the standard tests like math and reading at seven times the rate of its public school counterpart. And I don't have to sit here and tell you like the strategy that made the charter school successful. That's, that's their problem, right? Like let the charter school figure it out. I can tell you the reason it, it is more successful and it's because if they're not, they will lose their money. They will not exist anymore. They have to do well. They have no choice. And so I think when you see results like that, it, it really does speak for itself. You're controlling for just about every other variable except this one thing, which is choice. And the kids are just vastly outperforming in the charter school. Um, and so compared to their applicants that got put on the wait list. Um, and so that, that to me 
is such an, a such a simple solution, right? So what I what I would do is, I would actually. Milton Friedman's choice was, was you have like a voucher system. You essentially get a voucher for school, and then there's all sorts of ones you could that you know can take your voucher, which equals money from the government, and you just have an assortment of choices. And that seems like a good solution. Uh, I would actually, I would take it a step further. I think you just privatize all schools. And then if you look at the cost per pupil for public school, it's about 20K on average per year, per student. Um, private schools, it's actually less. It's like 17K per year per student. Um, and charter schools, are, I think, are even cheaper than that. Um, so it's, it's simple. You privatize all schools and then just give people the money it would have costed them to send their kid to... Uh, to public school. Why not just give people the the 20k it was going to cost to teach that kid and just give them that money to send their kid to whatever whatever school they want, you know, just mm-hmm. completely free up all their choices. Um it seems like a very simple thing to do. It yeah. it doesn't take much. You just have to get out of your own way. It, it, would, <laughs> it would really start organically. It would be very simple to do. Yeah, so I I think it's these two are very appropriately at the top because that intersection between scope and mm-hmm. and agency, how much are you able to do? It, they're both so so much lo- low hanging fruit where it's like, okay, the central bank get out of the way, mm-hmm. so much good ha- can happen. If the government could get out of the way, you know, in a sense, get out of the way, but by just like literally letting people choose, mm-hmm. you know, not mandating where people go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, then you, you know, that's such a, it's, it's not a rigorous chain. It's not like a, a massive overhaul of government. You just, mm-hmm. just shift the, the way that school distribution is, uh, is provided. And then mm-hmm. once you do that, uh, I, I don't think you can even understate that, um, that the amount of scope that education has, like so many things on, our list as you were talking i went through and i made a note like a strong education is so strongly tied with like diminishing racism right Mm -hmm. if 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 ideas if strong ideas and critical thinking skills are prevalent Mm -hmm. in a person they're not as concerned with what someone looks like so that Mm -hmm. you know you have less racism Mm -hmm. you have less uh you know you have more gender equality Again, because mm-hmm. ideas matter more than what the person is. LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have a, a, a forum for uh, health and nutrition to be taught. So mm-hmm. you, you address obesity and nutrition. You address partisanship. Again, we, you, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't just tied to uh, what, their, what their team or what their, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, what their mob <laughs> their tribe their tribe yeah. thinks they're actually thinking for themselves um so again so that scope cannot be understated and that agency is uh, definitely in line with low-hanging fruit so that's a good job and it's a cool that you have the insider experience too to you know firsthand be able to address it it's a right our problems Absolutely. i'll admit it was limited but i also right. felt like I, it just wasn't a good direction for me. Um, yeah. And and to, if 
if you think public schools maybe aren't that bad, uh, I got some some bad news for you. There's some pretty <laughs> astoundingly bad results uh, coming out of like here's another example was pointed out by Walter Williams, is another economist. Uh, Thirteen out of like thirty districts in Baltimore, uh, public schools, um, did not graduate a single kid that was proficient in math. <laughs> not one. So yeah. thirteen schools didn't graduate a single kid who was even just like proficient. Just means like can do math. Like like at a, you know like that's like it, it it's. If you can't do math, so much of the world is is unavailable to you. Like so much of your ability to be productive in the world is is locked away from you if you don't have the ability to do basic math. So like just entire generations of people are being locked out of being productive citizens cuz that is astonishingly terrible. And 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 it, and if you might go, well, you know, you're not being fair. They're not getting a lot of funding. You're wrong. They're actually third in the country in that dis- those uh, in Baltimore for funding. So they're they're one of the per most pupil. highly f- yeah. yeah they're most one of the most highly funded co- in terms of cost per pupil in the country. Yeah, and they're they're achieving that terrible of results. I don't I don't know how you can defend these schools. That's that's terrible. Yeah, my reaction when I hear that study is actually. Um, I do have additional questions. Like when I hear that, I think like, is there a potential that during the, like in those schools, did they realize what these tests mean? Like if the, mm-hmm. if the test means like, Oh, this is like how the are like the schools are rewarded for teaching. Maybe the mm-hmm. students just like kind of got wise to that. And we're like, ah, <laughs> we don't want to participate in this, that anything mm-hmm. that'll help our authority. So we're just going to boycott or something or like write the wrong mm-hmm. answer. I mean, that, could have happened i think that's more i I don't think that's what's going on (laughs) i don't know that's it's just it is it boggles my mind because um that's what you're there for you know you're there you're at school to learn to do that test literally that test some people some people um kind of um make make it uh vilify teaching to the test in schools Mm -hmm. And say that's not the way to, and I agree. I don't think that's the way. Right, like, I wouldn't either. You, if you're teaching the test and you get like at least teach the test, right? And get at least <laughs> like something. Right, at least be proficient. Like yeah. that's in in basic math. Like this is, this is like there are some skills you just need. Like you need to be able to read, write, and do basic math. Like that's just that that sets a baseline for life of being like. If you don't have those basic skills, you're never going to get anywhere. Uh, and so we're just, we're just failing entire generations of people right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 uh, it's remarkable. And the solution is, is right in front of us. It's really, it's, it's, it's like John said, is low hanging fruit. Uh, the success of charter schools in, um, I mean, not all are successful. Don't get me wrong. There's gonna be schools that fail, right? We're, we're we're not sitting here and going to tell you that like, once we do this, we're going to suddenly be like, you know, a society of brilliant engineers or something like that. Like, it's just, it's, it, you know, there's going to be terrible private schools and terrible charter schools and terrible schools still. But we're talking about just, like, 
on average, improving the results very significantly because there is a huge disparity in results between charter schools and public schools while you're holding basically almost every variable in control. So you can't really ascribe it to anything else. Mm -hmm. It would be very disingenuous to do that. Yeah. So before we each say our last one, or if we Mm -hmm. agree on the last one, um, I would like to to go through and uh, list a kind of an honorable mention, a couple Mm -hmm. honorable mentions, uh, and Mm -hmm. and explain why they're not in the top. Uh, For example, foreign war, I think, is of... Um, is globally a very large scope to address, mm-hmm. um, but if we're if we're stri- if they're restricting ourselves to uh, scopes within the country, I think foreign war, as messed up as the sound, it's actually a negative scope uh, effect to our country. If we stop associating ourselves with foreign wars, we actually have less opportunities for like training training young men to, you know, be in the military and, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just opportunities for, like, joining an organization and stuff. I, you know, I don't know. That's just, it's kind of a negative scope. I think it would be massively positive to just end foreign war, you know, end our mm-hmm. involvement in needless foreign wars. But, uh, um, and that's that scope also is, or that agency is brilliant. You just pull out. <laughs> you just don't do it anymore. Right. Um, but... It's not in the not in my main top three because of I think there's larger scopes with less um, to do. Uh, yeah, I definitely think our foreign policy is definitely an honorable mention because um, it like you know we have a bias as Americans, but if you look at what we've done to some of these countries, it's 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 awful. It's 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 like horrible. Um, just to give you an example, like, uh, I feel like not that many people even know about this, but uh, in Libya, you know, there was this dictator, Gaddafi, who, you know, it wasn't like a good guy, but he at least, like, kept order in that country. And we topple this guy. And there's now a slave trade happening in Libya today. Uh, and so, you know, it, that's astounding to think that slavery still exists today and it's a lot it's largely due to our involvement in that country uh and that's horrible that's that's like the the moral shortcoming of us as a nation is is really depressing but you know as americans we don't notice this right it's not it's not really affecting us specifically which is a selfish perspective uh for sure um but i think most of us are self-centered i like most people don't how often do you even ever hear about this issue in public discourse media what have you ever even mentioned you know it's you barely ever hear about it so i think we have to admit to ourselves that we are sort of a self-centered uh group and so while pulling out of these wars would be massively beneficial in the long run for probably the rest of the world um the reality is for us it's just going to save us a bit of money on our on our taxes uh that's really going to be the ultimate impact of it um Mm -hmm. for us as citizens uh and so i would not put it in the top of my list for us as americans 
in terms of like quality of life improvement. But I, w- I would definitely say it's it's up there. It might be even number one if you're taking mm-hmm. a global perspective. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, any other honorable mentions before I say the third one? Um, yeah, well, I guess it depends on... Why don't you say your third and then okay. I'll see what it is and see if... Uh, based on what mine is, I'll do my honorable mentions. All right, so I'm going to list seven of the list. Mm -hmm. These are all subsets, I believe, of number number three, Mm -hmm. most important. So education disparity, wealth inequality, abortion, gun control, organized crime, sex trafficking, and police brutality are all, not completely, but are all linked in some way to the war on drugs mm-hmm. um i think that addressing the war on drugs this low-hanging fruit uh, just like the other ones will improve all of those other seven um and just greatly improve the lives of so many uh citizens of this country um mm-hmm. the war on drugs is a fa- i believe is a false war i believe mm-hmm. that uh so much more harm has come from it than good. Um, I don't think that drugs, you know, I don't encourage the use of drugs, but I don't (laughs) think that, you know, there's a lot of drugs that I think people get more benefit out of than we as a society do from banishing them and creating and Mm. and controlling them. Um, I think it's a massive vehicle for racism to be uh, enacted upon Mm-hmm. Our underprivileged communities. Uh, you know, if you want to shake someone down legally as a cop, mm-hmm. you can check them for drugs, and if they have them, you can treat them like they're an animal. You can put them yeah, in a cage. Or even, you, can, you can even plant them on them, too. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible stuff. You know, you hear things like uh, I've, I've read studies that say, you know, both black and white people are equally likely to do drugs, but. Um, <laughs> You know, across the board, but black people are like eight times as likely to get arrested from mm-hmm. uh, drug possession. So it's just stuff like that. It's it's a very unfair war, and it's waged completely illegitimately. Um, ending that war, it's that's easy. You know, that's the, the, mm-hmm. the scope is so large, as I've said. And then to uh, the agency as well, you just stop, you make it legal, illegalize. <laughs> uh, or, or just, you know, you stop or you decriminalize at, least, at the very minimum. I think that's like goes without saying. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I think that's actually number three for me as well. Um, <laughs> so we basically generally agree about the top three, just slight yeah. ordering of things. Um, Before you I get into say, it, do you, think, yeah. do you think welfare state is up there or do you think... That's, yeah, that's I would say mention. welfare state is honorable mention. Um, and okay. so when pe- if people don't know what we mean by welfare state, um, basically there's a lot of monetary incentives in, you know, it's not how it's portrayed, right? Like when you talk about welfare, it's like, okay, you're down on your luck. It's a social safety net to protect you. Um you know, in case you don't have like friends and family to rely on. It's a very noble sort of, um, you know, 
thing. But you have to think about, in effect, what you're doing, right? Because anytime you hand people money for something, you're going to incentivize that behavior, right? So in my example, if you privatize everything and just handed people money to send their kids to school, you know, I think that's actually a legitimate case of a subsidy because it's like you're subsidizing parents to educate their children, you know? Yeah, we might be over-educating them, but of all the things I can think of to incentivize, that's that's probably like on there, right? Having an educated uh, populace seems like a positive externality, at least. Um, but now, so what are you what are you incentivizing when you have welfare, right? So essentially, you're paying people not to work, um, and it, you know, like people will never want to phrase it like that, right? Like it's, it's more often people say, well, no, it's a, like I said, it's a social safety net. It's like in case, like no one wants to be unemployed, but in case you do, you know, you have some protection. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there are going to be some people who are weighing their options of employment against unemployment with this new incentive you're paying them, right? So you're always going to get more of something that you subsidize. So you're going to get more people choosing not to work if you, you know, if for people on the margin where it's like, well, these benefits are like, especially now with a lot of the CARES Act and, and, and other things out there, there's a lot of people making more on unemployment right now than they uh, did while they were working. And you may say this is coronavirus specific. It's not a fair example. We're just showing you that this is where it can lead, right? If just having this policy can lead people to make essentially what is a bad, they're just acting rationally, right? Like a lot of people think if you criticize welfare, you're, you're somehow attacking the people that are on it. No, I'm not attacking the people. I don't think these are bad people if they're, if they're taking it. That's the farthest thing from what I think. I think they're acting incredibly rationally in the short term. And all we're essentially doing is incentivizing people to make bad short-term decisions. Um, because in the long run, being employed is actually, you know, better for your opportunities. It's going to open more doors to you in the long run. Um, and another part of it is we're incentivizing single motherhood. If you're a single mother, you get money from the government. And so if you're weighing between, you know, keeping the father in the home uh, and he has some income, if, you know, if it, if his income is less than that of what the government's going to give to you, there's a strong incentive to not have him around. Uh, and so we're incentivizing things that are like really destructive for people in the long run. And that seems like a mistake to me. Yeah. This goes back to what I kind of said before we started. It's just like, some of these things, it's like, how could you oppose this? Like, this is just mm-hmm. objectively, this has to be objectively good for people. Like, I want to help people that are mm-hmm. in need. I want to help mm-hmm. them. And the government can help. Like, oh, yeah, look at the CARES Act. We can help mm-hmm. them. The government can mm-hmm. send us all we need. I start, I'm starting to see more and more tweets like that. Why do we need to pay taxes when the government, and why are we letting people be unemployed? The government can give us everything we need right mm-hmm. and and that's where we're that's where we're coming from exactly like uh we're not saying we don't want to help these people in fact mm-hmm. what why we're saying what we're saying is because we do want to help these people the government can't mm-hmm. give us anything the right. government can't give us anything but paper right the, anything <laughs> the government gives us it has to first take 
right? Right. So when we say we want to help people by having the government give them stuff, well, the government can't give them anything. And if we're taking from others to incentivize behavior, like it's just it's just a complete negative. Um, that's just the it's just the bad situation. So uh, I I would say welfare state is um, it's similar in in scope to war on drugs. I think it has a lot of the same impacts a lot of the same people in a lot of the same areas of our society Mm -hmm. and then the scope is also similar because in both you just stop (laughs) engaging in the war on drugs and you stop engaging in giving out welfare right oh not complete Uh, stop giving out i i I am in favor of like like a social safety net i do think that's a positive to society right again we would encourage something like a negative income tax yeah right where essentially it fixes the incentive problem. Uh, so like if you're not familiar, a negative income tax is something Milton Friedman came up with, which is essentially like the the money you get from the government is proportional to the amount you earn. And so it's like if you earn zero, that's like the most you're going to get. And every uh, dollar you earn, you're going to get slightly less. But you're always going to be, if you ever earn more in the negative income tax like uh, scheme, if you earn more, you're you're always going to be better off. There's never going to be any breakpoints or kinks or in the slope where it's like a decision is like, well, if I earn more, I'm going to lose this, and I'm actually going to in total benefits plus you know wages, I'm actually going to be earning less. There's never that's never going to be like mm-hmm. a, a happen, think something that happens in negative income tax. So it's like it's just a better way to structure your incentives in that sort of like uh, social safety net perspective. Or like UBI would be another example of just a better way to do social safety nets. Because it's like, okay, we all just get this no matter what. So it doesn't change my decision making at all. It's just there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in, just to illustrate an example, like a mm-hmm. negative income tax would be like a, at zero income, you receive, uh, call it $20,000 mm-hmm. in a year. I don't know. You know, it's arbitrary. But right. it, to illustrate the negative income at zero dollars, your net from the government would be twenty k. And mm-hmm. if you received a salary of ten k, mm-hmm. the government would send you like fifteen k instead of twenty k. So now you right. net twenty five k. And if you make a salary of twenty k, the government will send you ten k. So you'll net thirty right. k. So every incremental dollar you increase yourself, you right. you've 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 increased yourself a dollar, and you've only marginally decreased the subsidy like 50 cents so you're always incentive to do better to work harder to 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 contribute more right um and so yeah i would would put that honorable mention um another one i would say is definitely an honorable mention uh in terms of scope maybe not in scope actually even but just an important issue to people i think morally just in terms of the everyday is like abortion, right? Like I think this is one of those issues that dictate almost entirely how some people vote. Uh, and uh, I don't even want to, like, I don't think there's a actually a correct side of this issue. I think actually both sides have uh, legitimate arguments. If you actually address their actual argument and you don't just straw man your opponent, like most people want to do. Um, and I think it just comes down to a philosophical difference. Uh, 
And I think this is an example of an issue. You, you actually can't really share a, a country if with people who agree that it's important, but are on the other side of it. Um, and I think the reality is like, this is an example of an issue that like, basically should be decided by like state and essentially you just you live in the state where you feel you feel as is is doing the moral thing and if you disagree with that perspective let me let me you know whatever side you're on right imagine we're just dictating it down from the top kind of like how we are now and your side is losing would you not feel oppressed if if you were pro-choice right and the government's like, nope, we're pro-life. Would you not feel oppressed by your your nation, uh, and and the vice versa? If you're if you're pro-life and pro-choice is winning, you would feel like there's a great injustice happening, and there's nothing you can do about it. So instead of trying to like ramrod your side onto other people, why not essentially agree to disagree on a point that I would say does not have a clear-cut correct answer to it um and and there's is it actually comes down to like differences in philosophy of people um and that, that to me is a more peaceful solution right like you know if one state's pro-life and that is just just too like you you can't stand that you can leave right and find one that's pro-choice there's going to be pro-life and there's going to be pro-choice states because there's it's it's basically like a 50 50 split almost in this country so you know you're gonna have states that have your moral side and it and it, maybe for some people it's actually not that important of an issue and then you know they can live in a state that's doesn't side with them on that but it's like you know i i just don't think it's constructive for us to try to beat each other over the head with the ballot box to just say look we got more people on our side so you know 51 percent says this all you 49 percent gotta live how we live like that doesn't seem right to me mm-hmm. yeah that's uh i think that is a good solution i um i think that in terms of scope well actually yeah i think it's a it's a very large scope but it, i think that one stays out of the top three because that um is definitely one where you can't your, your agency yeah, like you're saying there's such a conflict of agency like you say oh all we need to do is this and then everyone's <laughs> gonna be better off it's like well <laughs> you're right. lying like it's not <laughs> true like uh people are just gonna be so upset if the pro-life mm-hmm. people are able to like make abortion illegal mm-hmm. um, and then you have like all the problems with like once it's illegal is there like a black market for right. abortion um, I think what you're saying is kind of like a, a good a good scenario for both sides because obviously people that are pro-life uh, will be able to have their moral mm-hmm. like moral culture and mm-hmm. living a moral you know, they, they say like uh, like a um, infanticide culture is like is completely uh, you know you can't live in that which I, I think if you can't then yeah like Oh, that's awesome you move to a state that's pro pro life mm-hmm. that's such a great opportunity for you not ha- to have to live uh, in a society that allows abortion and you say like no I can't like even the pro life people that say no I can't do that because then they're still 
killing babies in right. another state. Well, it's like, well, you live in the U.S. right now. Right. <laughs> Which so is... it's like, at, at least you have a place where you can say... <laughs> at least it's a marginally better, yeah. Right. You can say, okay, well, you know, these are... I, I live amongst my people, at least, in terms of, like, you know, yeah. like, we're taking sort of, like, a moral stand uh, here. I, I, I really think that's kind of the only peaceful way to handle it right um because the alternative is you're using force to submit people to your way of life uh and i don't know is that is that really what you want to do maybe it is but that's not what i want to do i think there's also economic effects that would start to resonate you know mm -hmm. people talk about them nowadays but not as much i don't see of like you know when a mother goes through an abortion like what's the effect like what happens to that mom? like she's good to mm. go now you know she doesn't have to worry about having a baby so she's like having a better right. life or does she actually you know have negative effects that stay with her um mm-hmm. you'll be able to actually use that to to say like you know one side maybe better or the other right uh and you know i like i don't even really feel the need to like state my position on it because like I, like I said, I don't think it's relevant because I think it's it's not an issue that you can solve, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not, I think it's something you just have to agree to disagree. Uh, mm-hmm. That that would be my solution. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't really solve the problem, right? It's like, there, it may even breed, like if you had different states that are like, you know, one's pro-life, one's pro-choice, there might be a lot of resentment between those people. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's not healthy at all, but yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's currently not healthy either. <laughs> so right. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a solution. Uh, and that's my point why I don't think it makes my list because I don't think there is actually really anything to be done about it other than saying, like I said, agree to disagree. We'll have my spot. You'll have yours. Um, and so I think another one that's an honorable mention is uh, 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 occupational licensing and regulatory capture. Um or just liability in general for businesses. I think a lot of businesses, one can exist because of occupational licensing, um, which essentially says like, hey, you want to be a barber, you need this, pay this money and go to this school and take this test. And mm-hmm. it's just a way to keep outsiders out, right? Um, and so the reality is the market actually does a pretty decent job at identifying who's bad and who's good right if you're a bad barber people are just not going to go to it. they're not going to come back you get a bad haircut they don't come back yeah so let me right. i just sorry just quick i'll add yeah. like yeah the the goal isn't to keep people out like the goal on its surface is All right, to make society right. more equipped with the personnel that are able to do right. jobs so, you right. know that's the you know it's like why wouldn't you want to live in a society with people that are more equipped to do their job? It's like well, and it's what Jeff is saying. Like right, so the, the actually, effect of yeah. it—that's not the point of it, right? right. Or you, if you're very <laughs> cynical, you might argue that it is the point of it, right? Um, like but I don't think yeah. right. I think some people definitely think that, uh, but I, I in general do not take the cynical opinion. I, I generally take people at their word, and that whatever they say their intention is is in fact their intention. I don't think it's good to, like, going back to the abortion, I don't think it's good to ascribe motives to people. Like, if someone just says they're concerned about the babies being aborted and that's their concern, just take them at their word. Don't mm-hmm. don't say they want to control women or they want to 
Like that's their ulterior motive. That doesn't seem like arguing in good faith, right? Like, and then if someone's saying, well, I think, you know, abortion basically can save that mother's life in a sense of like, you know, it, it basically is a terrible situation to be like a single mother raising a kid all on your own. And it basically can, is a very high indicator of like poverty and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, if someone made a bad mistake and they're trying to, you know, essentially, you know, do this thing that's going to enable them to be better equipped to raise a kid when they do it on purpose in the future, you know, that's sort of, I feel like the pro-choice perspective where it's, and it's like, just, they don't hate babies, right? So like, that's not, they're not doing this. It's not a eugenics program or whatever. Like, just take the, just take the side at, at, at what they say they're, their intention is like I don't think it's constructed to argue in bad faith. So yeah, like I said, the occupational like, or like John said, is the intent is to uh, protect the consumer from bad uh, businesses or profess like people in the profession or whatever. But intentions don't matter. Uh, I don't think we need to. It, often you don't need to talk about intentions because they often don't matter. Um, sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. And the result of occupational licensing is it's a barrier to entry for other people. And so people essentially can do a worse job and still get the business because they have less competition because it keeps people out. Um, Now, the barber one example is like, okay, it's not that hard to become a barber. So it's not that big a deal. But it, it still matters. But the reality is, there's all sorts of barriers to entry. And I think regulation falls into this thing, like being compliant. Like it's, you can't just start a bank. (laughs) Like the the reason there's so many big banks and you have like so few choices between them and they're all essentially the same is because they're all by law have to be the same if they want FDIC, which why wouldn't you want FDIC? If you can put your money in a bank and have it guaranteed, Mm -hmm any rational person is going to do that but essentially what that means is if i want to compete with you and i'm not insured no one's going to go to my bank so i have to then do all these compliant things and do all these things which take a ton of money ton of capital ton of resources to become compliant so it's kind of the same sort of thing this regulation and occupational license are sort of two sides of the same coin it's like yeah you're just creating barriers to entry and reducing competition um you did also hit on yeah the, the reducing competition is is a very strong theme through these this list mm-hmm. or increasing competition to increase quality mm-hmm. you've also alluded to something that was covered in our previous podcast some listeners will recognize which is re- reducing risk is not uh possible like you can't reduce risk you can only change like ris- the risk doesn't go away just because you've you've mitigated it mm-hmm. you've just transferred it somewhere else like so for all those banks that they all look the same they're all ri- completely risk-free to put your money in mm-hmm. well then that then you get to the scenario where it's like 2008 and the the banks are all <laughs> gonna fail and all your <laughs> right. deposits go so it's like your money was never there was never a problem there was never any risk by putting in until everybody's money at all at once was at risk <laughs> right it's like yeah just interesting note that i would add yeah definitely um and so yeah i 
and sort of i think one thing that also is kind of in this envelope is liability this isn't specific regulation like you if you don't comply we'll shut you down uh it's more of a looser like you can be sued for this thing uh but it's the same concept right so there's all sorts of like things that you can be held liable for as a business that you like may not necessarily like i might not necessarily agree you should be held liable for but the fact that you are under the law means you essentially have some probability of being sued for some thing that you may or may not have done uh and that's just cost right that's legal cost that's baked into the cake of running a business um and so essentially in any business there's economies to scale in terms of being having enough legal extra money extra profit around for lawyers to defend you um and that's just another way that competition is suppressed uh and we get lower quality and higher prices all right i'm getting tired so all right. do you have any more you want to no I think, uh, so, I, I think we should revisit this a yeah i think we should continue to talk about this later but um I, I will more. say so just because I, I never actually said it but my third would also be i think the war on drugs i don't know if i said it or not mm-hmm. but uh i would agree with john uh, i think i think the if you look at like how many people we have in prison compared to like other countries it's 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 depressing right uh and so it it's you know we have way more people incarcerated than any other country for a lot of its non-violent crimes um mm-hmm. and the idea of putting a person in a cage who has never hurt or damaged anyone else for like it, it's just it's you've ruined their life <laughs> yeah. so yeah i just think it can't be understated how terrible this war on drugs is and uh, uh a lot like you said it a lot of other problems get sort of rolled into this one um and, and it's so simple it's like literally just decriminalize we're not gonna put we're never gonna we're never gonna find or put anyone in jail ever again for drugs you know uh it just seems like an easy problem to solve yeah this this one has a very strong appeal to again this this theme that's like how can you think like Mm. i have kids like how can you let them know (laughs) that drugs are okay by criminalizing or like legalizing it's just like yes that's tough like i I don't want to send a message that drugs are okay. Like, I actually strongly believe drugs are not okay for, like, all the way up until you're old enough to make that decision, which is probably mm-hmm. 21, you know, mm-hmm. even say 21, um, mm-hmm. which is not very popular among, you know, people want to lower their drinking age, which, you know, to, without even getting into that, I just think mm-hmm. that I don't want to send a message drugs are okay. So I understand how tough this is, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> it is a low hanging fruit to, to have a massive scope increase in the country. Right. Like that's a, that's a negative. That sure it is. That sure is a negative, but there's so much positive that could, could happen for so many. If you look around. Um, right. Like, like even with like really like the hot button issues of the day, it's like police brutality. Well, if we're just doing less policing, there's fewer interactions between police and people. And there's that just in general is going to reduce the amount of, you know, either ev- that evil people can do something evil or just mistakes 
on, on the police behalf or just even if it is maybe the citizen was doing something they shouldn't have been doing, if that if those interactions are just fewer, then there's less the less bad things are going to happen. Right. It's it's um, you know, that's not to say we don't there is a drug problem in this country. There's a crisis with opioids. Mm-hmm. We do have problems. These are very serious problems. Uh, but that does not mean the solution. It does just because there is a opiate crisis does not mean the solution is to throw people in prison for doing them. That mm-hmm. that doesn't. There's no logical connection between those right. two. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we'll, we'll probably be revisiting this mm-hmm. or concepts from this in the future. Um, so let us know. What, mm-hmm. which one is, should have been in the top three? I'm sure there are listeners that have their top one or top, you know, top three that we didn't even address in depth right. today. So, you know, your comments are always welcome and uh, we, we will revisit. Yeah, right, definitely. Jeff? Yeah. Uh, we'll revisit these because, um, uh, you know, th- it, we're just trying to basically set a, a guideline for what what belongs at the front of our attention right mm-hmm. um and and that way it's easier to filter through the noise uh if you have a sense of perspective sense of scope that you could say you know uh, okay this this isn't as important or this is really important and uh it, it deserves my attention yeah cool all right well thanks for doing less see you next time yeah take it easy